This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all of these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from about 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And it is so amazing to be able to talk to people all over the world, different times of day, different places, different subjects. And it's something that has always been the case with Heritage Radio Network. We are a web-based podcasting network. So we've always had access to people around the world. But in many ways, one of the pandemic positives has been creating Tech Bites. This podcast, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology, we've been producing it remotely since March of 2020, recording it on Zencaster, and that has really opened our guest list to people from around the world. We've talked with people from the UK and France, and today I'm really happy to say we have a guest calling in from West Coast. We have East Coast, West Coast happening today on Tech Bytes. We have Arnold Byum, who is in Los Angeles, who is the founder of With Warm Welcome. Um, Arnold, thank you for joining us from sunny California. Thank you so much for having me. You are so good at this, and you make me feel like a fraud. <laughs> Happy to be here. You know, well, Arnold started with Warm Welcome as a podcast back in 2019. Uh, episode one was October 2019 with Simon Kim, who is the mastermind behind Coat Korean Steakhouse, which the first one is in New York City. They just opened another one down in Miami. Um, and it is like Michelin star level fine dining Korean barbecue. And I will, uh, full disclosure, say I've met him a few times and been to the restaurant. And it is absolutely delicious um, and is as advertised. The podcast, uh, Arnold started as a way to talk with and interview and amplify the point of view and voices of the culinary Asian commun restaurant community. So restaurant owners and sommeliers and, and people who were, um, who are building, managing, owning, operating, you know, the restaurants in this community. And over time, it has evolved into products, events, pop-ups, and most recently, a room on Clubhouse. So there are so many, so many things to talk about with Arnold today, not just the um, inspiration and evolution of With Warm Welcome that over the course of the pandemic and over the course of what's happening right now um, with 
Asian Americans and Asian people in our communities. It really is um, sort of at the forefront, I think, of many of our thoughts. And also the fact that his brand building has been and community building has been almost entirely digital, which is also perfect timing in many respects for the pandemic and now harnessing the power of Clubhouse, which is the latest, newest social media space, which is a really interesting entity unto itself. So Arnold, we have lots and lots to talk about, but let's take 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 us back to take us back to 2019 and how you decided to actually start the podcast. And I would love to hear first off how you came up with the name, what the name means. Um, and then secondly, um, if listeners want to sort of follow along and check things out while they are listening to the episode, I would direct you to withwarmwelcome.com which has all the stuff. And you can look at the podcasting page. There's also these really beautiful, illustrative portraits of all the guests. And I want to hear about where those came from also, because those are amazing. (laughs) So a lot. So let's start with 2019. How'd you come up with the name and why a podcast? Well, let's start with how amazing you are. That was great. I am so (laughs) happy about this. And you're, you're, you're so talented in this space, in this medium that is podcasting. I have so much to learn from you. But um, I started this, like like you said, in October 2019. And at the time, I was working at Atomix um, with JP, Chef JP and Elia. Atomix is a two Michelin star Korean fine dining restaurant in New York City on 30th and Park in an unmarked townhouse off a beaten path. Really hard to find, actually. Uh, <laughs> which became quite a struggle and challenge for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in and say, uh, I also know JP and Elia. They are um, wonderful people, exceptional right. restaurateurs. JP's chef, Elia, his wife and partner, um, does front of the house and and so much more and manages things. And Atomix, when they, did they open in 2019? They when did they open? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, May May twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. The the meal I had at Atomix was one of the, if not the best meal of that year. Really, wow. really exceptional. So anyone who's listening now that we have um, indoor and in person dining, you know, coming back yes. online and things like that, um, Atomix is definitely a place to visit in New York City as well as their casual space, um, their more casual concept, Attaboy. Yeah, definitely want to plug that team. I mean, I'm I'm no mm-hmm. longer with them officially, but I am still very close with Elia. I stay in ch- touch with her and we check up on each other and they're just an amazing. Aside from the restaurant itself, I really believe in people and they're wonderful people, um, the two of them. One of the best, if not the best employers I've had during my tenure in restaurants. So definitely shout outs to Elia and JP just for being wonderful and really leading the charge in terms of contemporary Korean cuisine, right? Which is, I'm sure we'll get into at some mm-hmm. point too. But um, in any case, just to line up the timeline, um, so October 2019, I was at Automix, and again, it gave me a lot of flexibility in terms of my schedule. It was the first time where I had Sunday, Mondays off, like set days off in this industry, back to back. Which is amazing. Yeah, which is amazing. It was it's almost like a vacation. It's like a mini vacation to have 48 hours consecutively off. (laughs) Exactly. And also... To know that you have these days off consistently because the restaurant itself is closed. It's not as if it's open and then someone calls out and I have to go in last minute. We're just closed on those two days. So there's no reason for me to be pulled into the restaurant. And I think 
having that separation of space and time allowed me to pursue this project outside of work. And so really what it came down to was right before I joined Optimix, the genesis of the podcast was actually my, during my time at 11 Madison Park. Before I joined Optimix, I was at 11 Madison. And so I joined 11 Madison as soon as I graduated from NYU in hotel and tourism management. And during my time at EMP, I was so elated because th th that restaurant was everything I had hoped for in terms of just the level of service, attention to detail, and just 30 minute meetings about how to fold napkins. It was insane. And I think it was such a crash course in service and hospitality. And I, when I look back on EMP, because people do ask me all the time how it was, the best way I can explain it is it was graduate school for me, honestly, to go from NYU to doing undergrad in hotel and tourism to working at one of the best restaurants in the world. It was, it was an amazing experience. And during that time, I was really inspired by Will, Will Gadara, who started the Welcome Conference. And, you know, for those listening that aren't very familiar with the Welcome Conference, the, I think the best way to explain it, uh, maybe you can correct me too, Jennifer, is maybe a TED Talk kind of panel or situation, but specific to more so hospitality and restaurants. And I loved the Welcome Conference and the conversations that were being held in that format was really the first thing. And then, and then what really kind of came into place was working at Automix, working for a Korean, a Korean restaurant. I never thought, honestly, during my time, I would ever work for Korean employers in a Korean restaurant in New York City because for a long time, that just meant maybe I would work in Koreatown on 32nd Street. And the optics with that is, it's, it's not great. You know, you go to NYU, you spend $200,000 on this, on this education, then you work at a K-Town restaurant. I think there's a little bit of a, um, um, it doesn't really line up well in terms of maybe career opportunities or advancements and, and, and things of that sort. And I think that I just never thought that time would come. And so for me to be a Korean American working for a Korean restaurant that was on the cusp of going from a, a star to two stars, I realized that, wow, there, there's, this, there's this generational change in this industry where I feel that there's a lot of Asian Americans in this space that are now you know, homegrown, educated here in the States. Obviously we speak fluent English. Um, obviously we have our own kind of set of cultures as third culture kids and what have you. And I, and I was able to see that there were, oh, there were a ton of people in the space, yet there wasn't a platform or anything along those lines that really brought this Asian American community together. And so I felt that um, the best way to do that, and I think at the time, and maybe a couple years ago, maybe when you started, Jennifer, podcasts were all the rage, right? Podcast, podcast this, podcast this, yes. podcast that. And so I was like, what is this podcasting thing, right? I'm hearing it left and right. And um, I came across, guys, how I built this podcast. And how I built this podcast was the first one I listened to, and it just really clicked. I loved it. I loved how it was a story about entrepreneurship and just really the origin story and the overcoming and, you know, coming to grips with your identity and just amazing. So I love that format. So that kind of put the two and two together. How I built this entrepreneurship storytelling and also maybe highlighting and spotlighting Asian Americans was, was at the forefront of that. And then in terms of the name with Warm Welcome, I like to break it down into each word. So... I guess I'm going to go kind of the other way around, but welcome in the sense of 
hospitality for me, uh, I don't cook, by the way. I don't have experience in the kitchen. My experiences are more so in operations and restaurant management. But welcoming somebody in is really the first step. It's the first kind of encounter that you have. And it's the first impression that you make on anyone. And when you welcome somebody in, I think that's when hospitality begins, like the cycle of hospitality. And so I felt that that was very important to the podcast because the podcast is about restaurants and welcoming people and also making my guests feel welcomed in when I interview them. And then the warm, the warm part of it is that's how they should feel, right? Hospitality is all about emotions, really. And I want to make sure I convey that in everything that I do. And that's kind of the brand philosophy with, with Warm Welcome is how do we create content? How do we tell stories in a way that gives you that warmth? And then the with is because hospitality is a two-way street, right? I think Danny Meyer says this in his book where the difference between service and hospitality is that service is more of a, a one-way street in terms of it's just an execution, whereas hospitality is a dialogue. And I love that a lot. And so the with part of it is really to let people know that this is a dialogue, this is a conversation. And also I thought it was really neat if I interviewed somebody, right? Let's say I interview you, Jennifer, and it's Jennifer with Warm Welcome. I don't know. I kind of got a, I got kind of got a kick out of that. I think that was just like me, me, myself, and I getting excited about that kind of like word play on words. But um, that's that's the. You definitely story. have coalesced. You've coalesced a lot of different ideas, both from the industry and social media and how we communicate. You know, likewise, I was drawn to podcasting because it had this very um, analog, digital feeling to me. You know, I started Tech Bytes in 2015 in January and was concepting it in 2014. Mm. And that was really at a the point in time where we really started communicating almost exclusively with people via digital, vi- visual digital mm-hmm. pathways, email, mm-hmm. texting, emoji, Twitter, um, Instagram, everything was visual um, mm-hmm. And silent. And so we were losing, my thought was that what we were losing was more and more um, of the voice connection to people, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. as we emailed and texted more, we had less and less phone calls, you know, think when the last, I mean, now it's a little bit different. I mean, 20, 2020 aside, you know, in, in the past few years, people would text or email long before they would pick up the phone to call somebody. Right. Um, and that just sort of became the status quo. So the idea of a podcast where you're actually talking to someone, um, you hear their voice, you hear the breath, the accent, laughter, you know, all those types of things, emotion in the voice. Um, and then you're talking directly to the listeners in many ways. And because a lot of people habitually are now listening with a headphone or in a quiet space, it's also then becomes very intimate. I mean, you're actually talking to someone directly into their ear um, in a very specific way. So it was this kind of combination for me of digital technology, the internet, podcasting, you know, MP3, portable, portable audio files, you know, iTunes, all those kinds of things, um, technology that made this almost analog very old school style communication possible. And I mean, not to get too far ahead, but that's part of that, that exact idea of the intimacy of like voice and voice only and audio is part of what's driving Clubhouse. 
but we'll get to Clubhouse a little bit later. The other interesting thing um, about with Warm Welcome is, yes, the first contact point with the with the customers is all about hospitality and any business or any engagement that you're having with someone. Um, and it's not when they first listen to it. And at a restaurant, their first contact is not when they walk in the door. It's when they make the reservation or Google the menu or look on Instagram or see something like that. So the first touch points of people getting a sense of what you're about happen way before they listen to that first episode or walk into the door of the restaurant. Um, so, I mean, all of these things are kind of, you know, dovetailing with, you know, other things that are happening in in society and with, you know, our, our sort of consumer habits with technology. But another thing that I would love to ask you about now looking back, you know, from this point in time, here we are, we're in March of 2021, you know, Atomix is certainly um, a, a barrier breaker and a, a milestone in, you know, Korean restaurants in New York City, in the United States. As you mentioned earlier, a lot of Korean restaurants, K-Town, casual places, casual, inexpensive, fun. Um, but like so many other non, like, French, European, continental cuisines have had a hard time making it to that really elegant superstar, Michelin, best in class, best in the world level, because it's a lot of breaking from traditionally what, you know, we would recognize as being, you know, quote, fine dining, and then also people, you know, presenting it and sort of the bridging of all those things. So I would say that looking back conveniently now, do you think that with Warm Welcome is also following the arc of the uh, growth and rise of, and, you know, I talk about New York and the United States, of being more interested in getting to know better, being more exposed to Korean food and Korean chefs and Korean restaurant owners and Korean culture. I mean, outside of the food sphere, we have K-pop and Korean beauty and, you know, sort of our, do you, were you conscious or did you think about sort of like a, a growing, um, you know, understanding and affection and affinity for Korean culture? I mean, the K the K craze is real, you know? And I think that definitely that played a part in me embracing my ident identity of who I am as a Korean American. What does that mean? What does that mean to be a Korean American restaurant kid? You know, I grew up as a restaurant kid. So what does that mean in this in this day and age? And what where can we push the, our cuisine collectively forward? And for me, I think, Jennifer, like I have limitations in this, in the sense that I don't cook and I can't contribute from a culinary perspective. But then what I can contribute is the ability to mobilize people, the ability to coordinate events, the ability to connect people to others and building communities. And I think for sure that played a part in me wanting to start this podcast or you know, we're, we're kind of in this transition phase now where we are going to become a media company. And how do we continue to grow this in a way that's sustainable, number one. But two, you know, the biggest thing for me with podcasting is, yes, there is that personal touch to it and emotional touch to it. But what really matters to me in the work that I do is representation. I think representation is first and foremost on my mind. Obviously, even more so now, given the height of you know, the situations that are happening here in America in March 2021. And so I, I, it would be a miss for me to say that I wasn't aware of 
the rise and interest in Asian culture. And I wanted to play a part in whatever part I could play in helping advance that or helping continue people to tell these stories and help them bring, get more attention that we deserve and recognition that we deserve in the efforts of us trying to push our cuisine forward and not just, I think preserving tradition is important, but how do we preserve tradition, but also find a way to push that forward? I think that dichotomy is very interesting to me that I think about a lot these days. But well, that way, dichotomy sits. Mm-hmm. That dichotomy sits very well in a restaurant analogy, in exactly. terms of, you know, people. You know, fundamentally, you want to understand what the classics are, or the traditions, mm-hmm. or the baseline, mm-hmm. or what the perfect, you know, omelet looks like. Sure. And sure. then, you know, if you want to be creative or have a different expression of it, then you need to understand the fundamental basics, and then you can right. kind of go forward and innovate them and renovate them. I mean, art is very much like that also. Picasso is very good at classical, you know, drawing and, you know, drawing things in real life point of view, Mm -hmm. but he had to sort of master that before he could go on to then, you know, go into cubism, which was a complete renovation of perspective. So, I mean, I think, you know, to better understand someone's innovation or the future of or an expression of, inherently you have to understand what the basics are. And it was even, you know, um, Fran Adria, who was famous, famous zeitgeist chef of modernist cooking and innovation, so much of what he did at his restaurant Il Bouli, which was on the Costa Brava in Spain, was based in very traditional Spanish cooking or Basque cooking and dishes and things that people were familiar with. And it was the idea of starting with something that's familiar to people and then giving them that comfort level and then taking them to a new place or a new thing. And that made the journey to like experiencing something new or something you didn't know a little bit less scary because, you know, we're all ultimately a little bit, you know, worried about something we don't know. I would ask you, um, you know, a lot, a lot has happened from, you know, October 2019 to today. The course of the pandemic 2020, certainly for everyone in the restaurant industry adjacent to it, anyone who works in it, who loves it, it's been a pretty stressful year. Did the the work that you wanted to do in the podcast, the community building, the the exposure of stories, how did that change over the course of 2020 in terms of what your what messaging then became top of mind for you? What were the oh what gosh. was the community? What was the community? What were like, you know, the urgent urgent things to talk about within the community? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, right before so this is around exactly almost exactly a year ago when the entire country went on immediate lockdown, but Leading up to March of 2020, I had all the intentions of growing the podcast into more of an experiential situation, meaning even as early as February February 2020, we were doing a pop-up with um, the ladies of Vanda and Besso and Kobatium. And we had done a six-course tasting menu to help raise funds for Apex for Youth, which is an organization that I work with very closely. And... That was the direction it was headed, to be honest, um, pre-COVID, was podcasting and an alignment with the storytelling and the content creation. I wanted to have, obviously, a more physical touch point to this. And I think a community is built 
over time and quickly when there are more face-to-face physical interactions. But when this happened, when COVID happened, I had to really think hard about, wow, okay, so I can't interview people in person anymore for the podcast is number one. Two, I cannot do these in-person pop-ups anymore. And so then where do I go from here? How do I continue to build upon something that was so geared towards physical, in-person, tangible experiences? And so that's when I pivoted myself and really wanted to broaden the term of culinary community. Like, what does that mean? Is it just chefs and restaurateurs or could it also mean maybe CPG founders that are doing canned beverages consumer, or consumer exactly goods, CPG exactly. Yeah, for the, for the non, for the non-marketers out there. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. So that was something that I also Products. wanted to extend, ex- exactly extend this community towards. Um, and then I think the messaging at that point in time was really, let's double down, let's double down on our community and let's double down on the content we've created and continue our work in it. So the next, the next thing we did is the digital magazine. And so by that time, I had interviewed maybe 30, 30 separate chefs and restaurateurs. And so um, myself and my creative director, Esther, we sat down and remotely worked on this digital magazine and compiled all the interviews we had done, took transcripts and sound bites from it, and then also asked some of the chefs to contribute a recipe. And we put together a digital magazine that I felt felt like was very important at the time to bring to light and, and... you know, even even as early as March 2020, we saw a lot of kind of anti-Asian sentiments and rhetoric coming out of uh, as a result of COVID and the origins of COVID-19. And so that was a very um, sensitive subject. But I felt like in the space that I occupied, which is championing Asian-Americans and this Asian-American community, I felt very compelled to do something about it. And so I think that's when I thought more about the virtual set a sense of things in terms of how can we further amplify our messaging uh, in this new in this new space that we have, which is more, it was headed definitely more virtual, obviously. I mean, it wasn't really our decision or choice. We, we had to adapt and pivot. And so that's that's kind of what happened, I guess. And the genesis of then this new iteration of With One Welcome, which is uh, we are occupying a lot more digital space now virtually because we just had to. So naturally, naturally, an organization and a community grows. So you probably would have started to create more digital content and things like that, not just because, um, I mean, the pandemic happened, but even if the pandemic had not happened, you probably would have done that anyway to capture the community, you know, across the country and then maybe back Mm -hmm. to other points of origin and really start to, you know, expand nationally and then beyond, you know, the right. U.S. Right. I mean, I could I could see that, you know, happening just sort of as a natural evolution. Mm-hmm. The pandemic created a, a true sense of urgency, you know, for yes. the restaurant community in terms of a, a, a really fundamental sense of urgency about survival. And that urgency for the Asian and Asian American community seems to have been multiplied because of the origins of the virus and some of the rhetoric and and all those kinds of things. And that has been a story, I think, that has 
I've observed bubble up and down in the news, uh, bubble up and down in social media. You know, we have the sort of restaurant community baseline of urgent, urgent, restaurant act, you know, all that type of, you know, all those types of things. And then a subset of that being what's happening in the Asian American community, what's happening in Chinatown, you know, save Chinatown, those types of things. Did you feel that coming right out of the gate? Is that something that we can talk about because we have hindsight? And then it seems today in March 2021 that since maybe January, it has really been accelerating rapidly. And now there's a lot of attention, I think, on the Asian restaurant community, Asian communities in general in the U.S. as to, you know, what's happening in terms of, you know, violence and racism and what's happening economically. So has that then sort of just reaccelerated, like shifted you into another gear? Or has that always been growing? Or... It's hard, it's hard to say, how do you feel like from the ground building support and, and platform for your community? Definitely in definitely leaning more towards the fact that everything that's happening right now has accelerated the timeline. To your point, I think we were headed in that space anyways, in terms of just growing more digitally and doing different types of content. But I think it just sped it up even more with 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 covid and also now let's take it back to earlier this year january of 2021 yes i i think that we are on the offensive right now in terms of we want to get ahead and we're working really really closely with a lot of different media companies to to work on even aapi owned businesses and guides to bring more awareness to to this and to bring more business to asian american owned uh, restaurants and bars and hotels and other hospitality um, sectors for that matter. But um, I think that another really interesting part of it, and I think you can see it from the fact that it used to be as early as November. So from October 2019 until November 2020, it was just myself. It was me, myself, and I um, editing the podcast, scheduling the interviews, engineering it, publishing it, but also just the branding of it, um, the website, the Instagram. It was just it was just myself because it was really a passion project. It was a hobby, I guess. And in November 2020, Esther, who I've mentioned before earlier, is, is my creative director. She helped. She decided to uh, join and help me out in, in furthering this work. And then as early as this year of January 2021 and now March, we grown into a team of 10 and growing even more by by day, by by the week. And I think a lot of that has to do with everyone on my team. They're Asian American. And I think our community is very compelled to do what they can do in their respective spaces to really come together at this moment in time. And so I will say that, yes, everything has been accelerated. I mean, I think the fact that this team with our welcome team has grown from one to two to 10 in the last, honestly, just last few few weeks is a sign of us just really putting our um, guests to, what, what is that? You know, really putting our, our feet on the, on the pedal right now and just really moving fast, but also intentionally, right? Intentionally, how do we grow this um, with, again, the core mission of representation and championing Asian Americans. And uh, obviously Clubhouse is a part of this too. So that's, uh, that's another interesting 
angle there. But yes, everything has been accelerated and heightened, I think. There's definitely even more sense of urgency for me, and I'm sure for the Asian American restaurant community than ever before. Well, I, um, we don't often talk about this on the show, but certainly people who have been listening to Tech Bytes from the beginning know this, and people who know me certainly do. I was born and raised in Hawaii, and I'm actually technically an Asian Pacific Islander, mm-hmm. um, and I'm part Hawaiian and, you know, lots of other things. And... Right. Um, it, it, it uh, you know, I, of course, you know, Asian American and Asian restaurants and culture and community have been a part of my life since I was a kid growing up in Hawaii. Um, but what has been happening now, you know, it's really, um, it, it's really difficult to watch in many respects um, because there's just a level of, of um, just like all, just all out meanness you know, that's really terrible. And I think when, you know, I read headlines and things like that, I think about, you know, friends and family and, and people that I know. So, um, you know, I say that just to say that it's not just, you know, something that, you know, I watch coming through my news feed or my social media feed, um, and have, you know, sort of a, 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 another layer of interest and, you know, emotion about these stories. So coming to Clubhouse now, and, you know, part of what made me really say, oh, you know, now is the time for me to get Arnold onto the show when I got the invitation and saw that you were doing Clubhouse Room. I was like, oh, this is perfect to have you come (laughs) on and talk about this. Um, because Clubhouse is the newest and latest and greatest social media uh, venue that the you know restaurant and hospitality community is going to have to figure out and get on board with. And I don't know that they've figured out the last one, um, but now this is the next turn of the wheel in, in the marketing game. So we're going to take a quick break um, and find out who the sponsor of this show is. Did you know Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit? We are kind of like public radio. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of grants, members who are mostly listeners like you. And when you become a member, you get swag and stuff and lots of good feels. And also, we are sponsored by companies like this one. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy to use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, Great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. 
Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn. We are talking with Arnold Biem, who is the founder of With Warm Welcome. It is a digital media platform company created to amplify the Asian American culinary community. It started off as a podcast in October of 2019. There are almost 70 episodes in that back catalog for you to listen to. If you want to check out the podcast, events, buy some merch, see what's happening, go to withwarmwelcome.com. Also on social media at with warm welcome, everything spelled out. If you want to follow Arnold, he's at Arnold Byun, which is B Y U N. He also has a side project or another adjacent project called Nemo, and you can find that on Instagram at Nemo N A E M O dot L A, and that is pop ups, um, food, great things, lots going on. And if you ha- are on Clubhouse, and Clubhouse is a very interesting entity right now, he also has a With Warm Welcome uh, event on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. on the East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. So Clubhouse is the latest social media frontier. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, Arnold and I were talking about at the top of the show about the attraction of podcasting because it is conversation with people's voices and voices and hearing someone's voice tells you so much and sounds so intimate and is so much more intimate than reading a post or reading a text. And Clubhouse is entirely voice-based. It's entirely audio. Uh, People create rooms, they have conversations, you can see who's in there and you listen to people talking. And if you want to make a comment, you raise your hand and the person who's moderating the room can give you the floor and you can make some comments and talk. It is currently by invitation only. It is only on iPhone and iOS. It actually only started um, back in 2020 um, and hasn't been around for that long but they have already raised over $110 million in funding. And this past January had a valuation of $1 billion. So super hot, white hot cultural phenomenon. And it really is being driven by the fact that a lot of the early adopters, a lot of the early clubhousers were celebrities, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, folks like that. And it's interesting also because it's very democratic. Everybody who is in the room celebrity or otherwise, is having the exact same experience. They're hearing the same conversation. They have the same opportunity to talk. They're, in essence, sitting next to lots and lots of people, some of them famous, some of them influencers, some of them celebrities, actors, all those types of things. And that digital democratization of a social experience is really, I think, one of the hallmarks of the time that we're living in right now. We've done a few episodes on Tech Bytes recently about virtual events, creating virtual sommelier events, creating virtual hospitality events, a how-to episode for restaurant and hospitality people to create a successful online event because in-person has been so limited, if not completely 
gone. One of our guests, Belinda Chang, who's a sommelier based in Chicago, did a live stream on Twitter, a Wine 101 class that wound up getting more than a million views. And there's no way you would ever plan an in-person wine tasting class for a million people. I'm sure she would say yes. I said that on the show. She's a a first-class hustler. She would definitely say yes. But how would you even approach something like that? Where would you get the glassware? How would you see people? How would you communicate to them? And at an event at that scale, definitely not everyone would be having the same experience because some people would be closer to the presenter or the front. There would be people in the back. You know, think of a stadium, 50,000 people. Not every experience is the same, but in a digital format, in a streaming event, in a virtual event, in Clubhouse, the digital aspect of it has completely democratized it. So it's really interesting um, on so many levels, and it is the perfect time, perhaps, for this social media. It doesn't come without its 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 uh, potential hazards. Like anything else, you know, it has already proved to be a little bit of a hotspot for misinformation and um, you know, potentially uh, racist or hateful speech and things like that, that, you know, community moderation, you know, out of the gate is something that is definitely um, on the forefront. But you can't record it. You can only experience it live. And so that has also created this sort of, you know, the FOMO, the fear of missing out where, oh, my God, you missed when, you know, Oprah was in the clubhouse. <gasps> So now I have to be on it all the time so I don't miss the next thing. (laughs) Anyway, you also, it's only by invitation only. You can't just download it and join. So I have some invitations. If you want to get on it, shoot me an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. I haven't used them. Uh, So Arnold, tell us about now this next thing, Clubhouse. How has the experience been? And, you know, what, how, how do you envision using it to build the community and your brand and, and your message? Because in, in many ways, what you're doing with Warm Welcome has this two-pronged sort of aspect to it. One is actually bringing together the Asian American culinary community and having a space for that community to connect with each other and talk with each other and create events like your pop-ups or like the um, pastry box that you're selling now. So like the space for that group to come together, but then also the second piece is to have other people come and understand and meet and listen and discover and become a part of. So you're you know, sort of creating a space for yourselves, but then a space for everyone else also, I think. I think you're correct. And I think before anything, I need to praise you again since we're coming back from commercial break and say that you are so much better than me at selling myself. (laughs) And I appreciate you. (laughs) Appreciate you doing all the plugins earlier. That was very seamless. I I have notes in front of me. You can't see Uh, me because Zencaster is audio, but I have a notebook with all my notes and all the things that I want to make sure to say and so I spell everything correctly. Wow, amazing. I'm just blown away. Um, Kind of continue your thoughts on Clubhouse. And yes, it is a natural progression for us at Worthwhile Welcome in terms of what we're trying to do and, and in terms of exposure and casting a wider net perhaps and getting to more people quickly and getting the messaging out quickly and connecting communities quickly is very possible through Clubhouse. 
And one thing I wanted to know that's really interesting, you said that you have a lot of invitations and that people can ask you for the invitation. If you take Jennifer's invitation, it will say that you've been nominated by Jennifer and that will live on your profile. And I think that's such an interesting part of the platform, right? That kind of invitation only, invite only, this kind of exclusivity factor to it. It is a dem democratized platform, but I think that exclusivity aspect of it is also what the reason why it is so hot and trendy and kind of a, a, a buzzword right now, Clubhouse. Um, I was really averse to Clubhouse, I'll be honest, for, for a little bit. I wanted to see how it played out. I, well, I don't know why if I were you adverse myself. To because I wasn't familiar with it and I was very concerned with what you mentioned about community moderations and I didn't, I, I just didn't, I wasn't so familiar with it and I didn't want it to, the, to fall in the trap of going onto a platform that I didn't know too much about. And so I, I don't know if I would consider myself an early adapter, but at the same time, I don't know if it's always advantageous to be the first to market necessarily. And so I just wanted to see how it panned out a little bit. And then you're, my rule of thumb is... I think you're is, definitely in the window where you're still considered an early adapter, though. Maybe I mean, at like the tail end. I don't think, it's, I don't think like it's even end. been live for a year. You know? I mean, we're yeah. definitely in the first wave still. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's it's been an interesting journey. We've done, let's see, we've done three or four events now. And I, when I say events... Um, I, I, I guess it's more of a room that we start, right? So uh, as you had so well explained, Clubhouse is essentially drop-in audio chat rooms, more or less. And just very different from anything that's out on the market right now in terms of social media. Just, just the voice aspect is so fascinating. And for me, um, with podcasting, one of the earliest frustrations was not getting feedback or not having that instant communication of whether people enjoy the episode or not, because working in restaurants, I get instant feedback all the time, whether it's positive or negative. I see it on their faces when they take a bite into that steak, whether they like it or not. And so it was real. It still is very difficult for me to produce a podcast because I, I'm so conditioned for that, uh, for that response. And I think that Clubhouse is interesting because I get that through this platform. Um, and I also see just exactly who's tuning in, who's listening to this quote-unquote podcast. It's almost like a live show and you have an, an audience. Um, and what's so cool about it is, you know, as an example, I guess the most tangible example I have is we did one yesterday. Um, uh, and we did a chat with... Asian American restaurateurs and chefs all over the country. We had chefs from LA, New York, Atlanta, DC, San Francisco, uh, Portland, Las Vegas. And I don't know any other platform where we can come together like that in the way we did. And also a lot of them were fans of one another, but never had the opportunity to have that kind of FaceTime. Um, and that's so unique. And that's so amazing to me because at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's so important to be seen and, and to be heard. And I think that Clubhouse is a platform that provides that. Obviously, there's so many other kind of pitfalls and shortcomings with it because it is a new platform. But I think that we're all, it's, it's, everyone's learning right now and everyone's growing with the platform. Um, and so we're, we're happy to be, like you said, Jennifer, maybe at the, at the early stage of this. And um, we also started a club on uh, Clubhouse. And so when you host three or four events, you have the option to start your own club. 
And so when you start your own club, you can, you can house events or rooms within this, in this club and you can invite people or nominate people to become members of the club. And so then what happens then is that A, they're associated with it on their profile and says like, for example, if I invite you, Jennifer, it'll say that, you know, it'll, on your profile, it'll say you were nominated by whoever let you in or gave you that invite. And then on the bottom below that would be that you're a member of whichever clubs. Um, so that's, that's one part of it. And the second part of it is you'll get notifications or you'll get pinged um, when we create or schedule new events or new rooms for the Mondays that we do this. So that's another part of it as well. But all in all, suffice to say, we are still figuring it out, but I think it's a great platform for what we're trying to do, which is bringing the community together, like you had said, but also making sure that it's not just for the Asian community. Obviously it is for the Asian community in the sense of getting them together, but I also think it's a great educational opportunity for non-Asians to drop into the audio rooms to see and hear the conversations that are happening within our community. The I listened a little bit to, I dropped into last night's um, event that you had and the pieces that I was listening to. And the great thing also about Clubhouse is that because it is audio, it's not like a Zoom. So you can be, you know, multitasking or you could be cooking yes. or, you know, folding yes. laundry or, you know, doing whatever it is that, you know, you do that maybe you don't want people to see or you don't have to worry about, you know, how you look or if you have your good lighting or not or what's your background. Um, so it it does have a it does have a, a casual aspect, you know, sort of a come as you are aspect to it, which which is nice. But the part that I was listening to, um, you were talking a lot about names and about how important names are, and you know, a conversation about you know, you know, one one of the like certainly European or French culinary traditions with restaurants is that chefs name restaurants after themselves. <laughs> you know, Danielle Boulou, his restaurant is Danielle Boulou. Right, right, right. You know, um, and that is, you know, part of the tradition. And the conversation was about, um, you know, who who is the owner of an Asian restaurant? What is that word? Is that a name? Is that a word? Is that something else? What is the owner's name? What is the chef's name? How, you know, do these things play out in terms of, you know, the identities of businesses? And, you know, it's so much an integral part of, restaurants and food were obsessive about who the restaurateur is, who the chef is, who the pastry chef is, who the sommelier, the bartender, all those things that was very interesting and not something that I had ever really thought about in terms of, and I don't want to say sometimes names of Asian restaurants are generic, but because I don't necessarily know what that word means, it sort of just is a word to me. And even something just as simple as that, I, I think, makes you think about the people behind the businesses and the inspiration and the motivation and the thing that they're trying to communicate with their business makes you think about it in a little bit of a different way. But then that's not just for Asian restaurants. I think that's for any restaurant that might be in a language that I don't speak where I'm not going to be able to differentiate perhaps somebody's name up against, you know, the name of a dish or the name or a word or, you know, something else. So, I mean, I think when we talk about things that are cultural, when we talk about hospitality, when we talk about business, when we talk about what people are trying to share and, and bring to market, you know, peeling back those layers at one point was just like, oh, I'm a foodie, <laughs> you know, and now it, it in, in this time, 
Um, peeling back those layers is means something perhaps a little bit different. And it's also applicable in a lot of different places, I think, to a lot of different groups. So, um, I mean, I, I don't think there's a downside, provided you don't get some like crazy person who comes in and tries to take over your meeting. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, social media is really just a, a digital version of just our regular lives. So, you know, sometimes when we're talking about social media or how people behave or these different things or, you know, it's it's not necessarily any different than what would happen if you got 100 random people together in a room, you know, percentage wise. Some would right, be this right. way, some would be that way, some would do this, some would do that. And it just, you know, it's it's... It's just the world in some in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, we are out of time. And as you well know, Arnold, one of the hardest things about hosting a podcast is having to cut off the conversation because there's always more. Uh, and I'm a talker and you're probably a talker also. And we could probably have, you know, the marathon episode of Tech Bites <laughs> where we talked, you know, for six hours. But we are out of time. I'm sorry to say. Are there any last thoughts or anything um, you want to shout out before we go in terms of upcoming events or things that you want people to be aware of? I mean, I, I would love to end on that comment you made about just people being maybe more inquisitive and curious about the restaurant and the origin stories behind it and wanting to get to know the source of it. Why is this here? Why is it named a certain way? And I, I hope that people are a little bit more curious about it. And I think that's the first step we can take actively to bring more awareness and support to especially Asian and Asian American owned restaurants. But other than that, I would also love to plug you, Jennifer, and say you were amazing. <laughs> I had a really fun time today. Thank you. And I'm glad. it was nice to be kind of, I was, it was nice to be in the passenger seat. So I appreciate it. It's fun, isn't it? It's every now and again, <laughs> I'm a guest on a different podcast and it's fun to be in the guest seat and it on is. the guest mic. It's it a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice experience. Um, the really last is. question that I'm going to ask you really quickly, which we didn't get to, who does those beautiful illustrations that go with the podcast notes? You have these great portraits of your guests that are just really beautiful pieces of, of, of art. Who is responsible for those? Wow. Thank you so much for letting me uh, share that information. It is her Korean name is Ji Seo-hee. Um, she goes by Seo-hee. That's her first name. And she's actually a Seoul-based illustrator who dabbles in fashion and food. And so she is really very talented in doing realist, re- hyper-realist portraits and so she is the illustrator behind the guest portraits of With More Welcome. They're fantastic. Um, you also have some artwork on your site that you're selling as well. Is she one of the artists there also, or those are different artists? We work with multiple artists, but she is one of three artists that are also highlighted on our website, along with Max Ko and Nancy Papas from, actually, she's with Cherry Bomb. Um, but yes, she is one of three artists that we have collaborated with for products or prints, rather, on our website. Mm-hmm. So lots to take a look at with warmwelcome.com. I want to thank Arnold Byun for joining us today. It was a great conversation. Um, lots to think about and, you know, follow him on social media. Check him out on Clubhouse. I want to thank our engineer, Armin, and the whole staff at Heritage Radio Network. We just did a one-year look back at the pandemic, and I have to say we've been producing Tech Bytes remotely for a year. We have produced more than 30 episodes, and it is in large part due to the great job that the crew at Heritage Radio Network does. 
If you like this podcast, come back and see us again. Go to the archives. We have more than 230 episodes for you to listen to if you have the time. If you really like it, go to iTunes or Spotify or your favorite social media platform. Subscribe and give us a five-star review. That'll help the, the podcast to bubble up and be discovered by more people. And if you really think it's important to have these conversations and capture them and record them and save them for our collective culinary food history, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and make a donation. Maybe give us what you would have spent on takeout today. And if you designate your donation to Tech Bites, I will send you a gift along with my undying love and maybe an invitation to Clubhouse. This is Jennifer Leedsey. And this is Tech Bytes. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.